Well, hello, and good evening. Welcome to another edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your creepy, scary host, Stephen LeBooth. We've got some great stuff for you today. We're still going to cover Minnow Wells and a house in Weatherford. So, sit back, relax, kick your feet up. Enjoy a little story from Stephen LeBooth. How's everybody doing out there? Hmm. Everybody good out there in Ghostland? I love this spooky the time, spooky time of the year, man. It's nice, crisp in the air. It's just up. Mm, it's just good weather. Had it some good storms come into the night. All the lightning and stuff is pretty cool. It's been a great October, but man, we're almost in the middle of the freaking month. It's a BS. October always goes on, just goes by too fast. But Christmas is here forever. Ah. Well, I hope everybody's, everybody's having a spooky time. That's Hallow. That's a uh, October. Hope spooky season's been good for ya. All right. I guess, uh, like I said, I'm still in Mineral Wells. I got two places to cover today, and then I'm doing one on Weatherford. And then I uh, got two more shows left for October, which sucks. But hey, it is what it is. Jimmy Bean, Jimmy Bean. All right. I guess we'll get on down with some creepy stories. So put your headphones in, hit play, and let's get uh, some scary stories out of the way. <laughs> That's so corny. All right. Our first story is the the Nazareth Hospital. Minerals, Texas is home to one of the most haunted places in the state. The Nazareth Hospital. It's, uh, the building that houses the Nazareth Hospital was built in 1927 and opened as the Crazy Water Hotel. The uh, Holy Sisters of Nazareth purchased it in 1931 and moved into the top floor to live and, ad and administer to the patients. It operated from 1931 to 1956. And I think that was one of the, that was the last, that was the hospital we had before the one Outside of town. So that one was built outside of town. I guess around that time maybe. 50s, 60s, something like that. But yeah. My uh, brother, he was born in this hospital. Yeah. That's how old it is. And he's 53. No, 2. I'm going I'm to make him that old. <coughs> in the late 1980s, most of the... In, the uh, late 1980s and most of the 1990s, the Nazareth housed the Palapino County Service Corporation that included a Head Start, GTPA, Emergency Food Program, Silver, Civil Service, Social Security, and the Family Planning Center. The, fac the faculty was used as a 
retirement home from 2008 until it went out of business in 2010. Texas Scaregrounds of Minerals, Texas runs a haunted house attraction on Fridays and Saturdays during October, guys. And in the first weekend of November at the old Nazareth Hospital building, it's uh, also available available for private tours and paranormal investigations. I haven't checked that out, but I need to. It sounds really fun. Okay, here's a... <clears throat> Here's one of the stories. One story says a man who died after jumping into the elevator to avoid being uh Oh. He uh anyways, he committed suicide by jumping into the elevator shaft to avoid being uh his uh mistress and him uh being discovered. He was uh Doinking the old laundry lady there, you know, he was doinking the laundry, oh, no, this says that he was doinking the uh, laundry women. <laughs> so, apparently this guy <coughs> was having more than one uh, fling with uh, these cleaning ladies. He was, caught between he was caught between the closing doors and died. People reported seeing him by the elevators at night ever since then. There are many claims of this strange ghostly figure, sounds and smells. The asylum that was in the uh, basement was said to perform questionable medical procedures during the early 1900s. Which is sad, but that's what they did because they didn't know much about the psych, you know, about the brain and stuff back then. I mean, it's like I've said when you, I've said in, for, in uh, later episodes about the uh, asylums, they'd fuck people up even worse. <laughs> it's like the back in the day they thought a lobotomy was good where they get a freaking still like nail thing, drive it through the corner of your eye and push it up inside your brain and go back and forth like a windshield wiper thinking that would kind of, uh, you know, clear the cobwebs. No, it fucks you up even worse. It turned JFK's sister into a goddamn vegetable. So it's just the procedures they didn't know. So there's probably a lot of... Uh, People that uh, they tested on and died, and no one you know knows about it. Because back then, especially, people get caught in the system, or people just dump a person off. They put them in there and be maybe visit them once or twice and never come again. And then there's no uh, immediate family, so they start experimenting on these guys. Because if they die, no one's gonna know because no one comes to see them, which is freaking sad. But it's really sad. Okay, let's get back into this story. Okay, the same asylum was... Okay, and question, questionable procedures were done during the early 1900s, which allegedly led to the deaths of a couple of patients. Legend has it that the spirits of those very patients still haunt the building. Other sightings include a woman in white. Oh my God! What is it with the, excuse my language, what is it with the fucking woman in white? I mean, really, everybody's got a woman in white. What the hell? Can't there be a woman in gray or a woman in red or black or, fuck, I don't care, pink, purple, white, though. 
don't make sense. The white, uh, the white, uh, other sightings include a woman in white roaming the exterior of the building in a group of men playing cards. Hmm, very interesting. The site is one of, uh, the site is one of the locations for the world's largest ghost hunt. So go check it out at www.nation. Sorry about that in the background. The kids are, you know, fighting. Anyways, go to www.nationalghosthuntingday.com backslash. <coughs> but to really know the place, you need to understand this. The property is part of our network, and it has been added for the for. And it uh, the property has part of our network has been added for they may have history validations or folk tales of having spirits spirited activities. Please take caution. Caution. Ooh, look, this even has a please take caution when you uh, are here and all this. Wow. Anyways, check this place out. It's called the Nazareth Hospital here in Mineral Wells. They do have a good haunted house. I've been there with my kids. Check that one out. It's pretty good here, to, here in Mineral Wells, Texas. You can't miss it. All right. Let's see what we got next. <laughs> Oh, sorry about the silence. I'm so sorry. Mmm. Seen a pretty good scary movie last night. I think it was called The Death Note. Basically, you have this book and you write down how someone dies. That's how they die. It's crazy. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. It really ain't scary. Scary, but it's pretty good. It'll make you jump a little bit. It ain't bad. All right, let's get on with our next story. Our next story is of the Crazy Water Hotel here in Mineral Wells. It's quite possible that some of the residents of the good of the good times may not have gone on. In the early 1990s, reconstruction of the kitchen area of the first floor took place. Since that time, a figure of a small child has been seen many on many occasions. And see, that's crazy. <coughs> that's another thing they say about, you know, renovating and all that. It wakes up the spirits. I mean, you need to, you know, you need to do that to your house sometimes. But then on the other hand, you're like, man, am I going to wake something up? But as we go on with the story... One of the employees of the Crazy Water reported that one morning in 1994, that a lady was in the kitchen panning bacon for, or yeah, panning bacon for the residents at breakfast. When suddenly, just to her left, stood a little girl in old-fashioned pink, flurry dress with white <coughs> stockings, standing with her hands perched on her side side of the table, <coughs> watching. Uh, me at work she said she was there for just a few seconds and suddenly disappeared 
Then at Christmas in 1999, the same woman was entering the kitchen area from the dining room when she was suddenly overcome with a cold chill as if something passed right through her. <coughs> and another female that has worked there uh, stated that a little girl's spirit who is called who called herself uh, Dizzy, a nickname that only her family knew, frequently follows her around the kitchen. So apparently, this this ghost calls this woman her nickname that only her family would know. Pretty creepy, man. Uh, on another occasion, she left someone. She, on another occasion, she felt someone touch her while touch her while she was serving food in the serving line. She said at first the little ghost scared her, but over the years she has gotten used to it. And another employee of the uh, Crazy Water, he reported uh, hearing the little girl sobbing in the basement and then upon investigating the cries felt a cold spot in the area where he had heard these sounds originate from Ooh, man. and it's always in basements you know you can make ba make a basement a good little bar or game room or <laughs> hangout room but so much bad shit happens in your basement that kind of takes the fun out of it anyways uh where was i Another employee reported uh, that she, too, has seen the little girl playing in the kitchen area <coughs> as, as the uh, other uh, worker that re uh, who reported in April of 2000 saw a man in the kitchen wearing a long trench coat as if he walked out of the 1930s or 40s. He, too, was there for just a short time and then vanished. Several of the employees have heard the sounds of voices of the little girl in the basement area located just under the kitchen. The, uh, the maintenance man, he reported seeing the little girl near, near the elevators in the basement. The basement area is part of the old Crazy Water Hotel that burned down in 1925. The old brick walls still bear the charred remains of the original building see i didn't know that that building that, that that is there now wasn't the original it was bigger than that but it burnt and so yeah they rebuilt the, it, 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 it oh sorry guys i didn't mean to do that several of the employees have heard these sounds of voices of the little girl oh Duh, I just said that weenie head. The basement area is part of... Okay, I just said that too. Who exactly... Who exactly... Wait. Oh, who exactly could these spirits be? No one seems to know. The building has been here for over 75 years. And it's almost impossible to know all these stories that took place here. That is true in an older building like that. I mean, not unless people wrote everything down, you know. And of course, back then in the er in the early 1900s, <laughs> when that was built, people uh, that seen ghosts or something probably didn't report it because you'd get, you know, made fun of or people wouldn't believe you. So 
you back then you didn't want to say shit like that. You didn't want to say I saw something or that class moved or I heard a voice. Mmm. Good coffee. I got me some pumpkin spice for the season. It's the season for the reason. And we don't know why the spirits are really here for sure. These ghosts have been seen by several witnesses and did not seem to be here before the rec uh, reconstruction of the kitchen area. Whatever the case, uh, whatever the case or whoever the people are, and it's for sure that something strange is going on going on in the kitchen of the crazy water historic. I mean, of the uh, historic Crazy Water Hotel. So, yeah, like I said, the uh, here's a picture of the old one. It looks pretty cool. It looks really nothing like the uh, one there now. Heck, this one looks better. But anyways, um, yeah, I didn't know that, though, until I uh, started researching this, that that was the original anyways here's some background of the crazy water by 1873 the indian depression had all about ended throughout north central texas opening the door for many settlers to move <coughs> westward most of these came where people who had nothing left back east and believed that the new lands in Texas could provide their families with opportunities that they never had before. One of these brave folks was folks was by, ugh, one of these brave folks was a man by the name of uh, James A. Lynch, who moved his family into a valley nestled between the beautiful hills of Palapena County and Fort Worth. One day, Mr. Lynch was digging a well and on his property to provide badly needed water for his family and crops and livestock. Upon completion of the well, the Lynch discovered that the water to be full, uh, to be foul-smelling, to be to be drinkable. Anyways, let me say that again. Upon completion of the well, the Lynch. The lynches discovered the water to be foul-smelling, to but to be drinkable. That don't make any sense. If it's foul-smelling, why the hell would you want to fucking drink it? After some time, however, Lynch began to taste the uh, smelly water and claimed that it curved her or, or cur cured her arthritis. And it really don't taste bad. I've had the well water here. Because there's wells all around here. I grew up, my grandpa had a well out there at his place in the country. I mean, it don't smell. I mean, it don't smell like regular water, but it ain't bad. It ain't going to kill you. Uh, okay. The lynches discovered the water to be enriched with uh, minerals, leading it, leading it prime medical value for the time it didn't take long for the word to get out <coughs> among the few locals that the uh, waters had healing powers by 1888 a third well was dug and it was from this well that a 
determined woman would sometimes drink. Those who knew her claimed she had regained her sanity from drinking the uh, miraculous water. It was at the time that a few of the local children began to call well number three the crazy water well. Uh, after that, the world, the world well was uh, dropped from the name, and Crazy Water was uh, coined, and the official town of Andenville was established, but later changed its name to Mineral Wells. See, I didn't know that either. And, oh, God. Yeah, that would have been a stupid name. Edneaville? Wow. Don't know why to be called that. The official town known as Edneville was established, but later changed its name to Mineral Wells. By the early 1900s, Mineral Wells was on its way to becoming a national health resort as bathhouses and spas popped up all over the valley. People were coming by hundreds every week to bathe or drink or just chill here during the weekends. Many accommodation, accommodate, many, I said it right the first times, first time. Many accommodations, such as uh, hotels and boarding houses, were springing up everywhere by, were springing up everywhere. In 1912, that was a good year. <laughs> In 1912, the city saw the need for a luxury hotel and decided to build one on the site of the uh, old well number three. So basically I take it from the information I've gotten. I got a pretty good idea where this man's settlement first was before it was downtown. Anyways, luxury hotel and decided to build one on the site of the old well number three. Hence the name Crazy Water Hotel. It was born. The four-story structure was complete in 1914 and uh operated until March 25th when a tragic fire completely destroyed the hotel. Then, two years later, a Dallas businessman, Carr Helkelins, rebuilt a new seven-story structure on the side of the old one. Keeping the same name, the new structure had two complete bathhouses located in the basement, electrical elevators, and a huge lavish lobby, and 200 rooms. And it's, it was very nice at the time. I mean, it ain't bad now. They went in and redone it and all that. So, But that's kind of like the story of the Crazy Water Hotel. It was a hotel for a while. Then it turned into uh, old folks' home uh, for the rest of the time. And then it shut down from that. And, but see, I used to run around that place. My dad was a you know a preacher. And um, we used to run around because, oh, sorry. I was a kid. I was probably nine, ten, something like that. And um, during when uh, when he was preaching, I had a playroom I could sit in the back if I got bored and go back there, and that way I wouldn't be disturbing him while he was preaching because he had a lot of older people. He didn't really have a lot of young people in there with kids or anything, so <coughs> I'd roam around that place, and it's kind of creepy. Me and my brother and and stuff would creep around there. It was pretty fun. So I hope you enjoyed that, my fine fellows. Y'all quit.
Sorry for the silence and sorry for the kids fighting, but it happens. Okay, now. This is called... This one is the Baker Mansion in Weatherford, Texas. And it's a true story, but this has nothing to do with... Sorry. Damn it. Uh, it has nothing to do with the Baker Hotel. Two completely different bakers. Okay, we're going to start from apparently from scratch. Well, let's see. Okay. Mr. Baker uh, moved his family to Weatherford. And he was like, uh, there really wasn't a uh, store or anything there. His name was J.D. Baker. And, uh, hey, they really, there was really a need for uh, a trade, trading trade good place. Uh, what do they call it? A general store. So, basically, <coughs> he, um, purchased, he took a gamble and purchased a large four-story building on the northwest side of the uh, square downtown Weatherford. Uh, right across from the hardware man, J.P. Lyle, which became the center of Baker Poston dry goods business. And the gamble paid off. And, okay, the gamble paid off big. And it seemed that everything was going quite well for the uh, Baker family at the end of the 19th century. In 1894, the Baker... The bakers begin re, uh, construction on a, a beautiful 7,000 square foot Victorian home at 304 South Lamar, Weatherford. The, uh, they had four children there. They, well, they had four children. Charles, Harry, Mary, and uh, Ethel. Unfortunately, the daughter Ethel passed away at the uh, tender age of 13. She would be the first family uh, tra uh, family tragedy. Yeah, reading up on this story, this family uh, ha has a lot of it. And then, <coughs> Mr. Baker, at the height of his success, died suddenly, suddenly on Easter morning in 1899. And never uh, witnessed the uh, completion of the beautiful home. In 1908, another tragedy struck the family. A strange case that remains unsolved to this day. Charles Baker, who grew to be an, uh, be in an intelligent man and business-wise, became a buyer for the Baker uh, Post and Company. Through... Oh... Though he had, uh, though he had health issues for frequently traveled the uh, country and buying wholesale goods for the business. <coughs> so basically, he'd go around buying goods around the United States for the uh, store. In the early spring of that year. He embarked on a uh, buying trip and was last seen leaving San Francisco en route to Seattle where he was to order goods. His dis he disappeared without a trace and was never seen by anyone in Weatherford again. His family extremely upset 
with his uh, disappearance and tried everything for uh, local authorities and private investigators to his uh, whereabouts. In 1909, his family put out a large reward. Everything from local authorities to private... In oh, God damn it. Sorry about that, guys. The family put up a large reward for any information that would help... I can't believe I did that. That would help them locate Charles. A poster was circled all over... Was a Posters were put up all, put up all over the southwestern United States <coughs> in hopes that uh, he would be located. Hey, be quiet, man. I'm sorry, but sometimes these kids want me to just go crazy. <coughs> okay. Uh, okay, all uh, everything they did, they couldn't find him. So no, no word of Charles was ever heard, nor was the uh, money ever collected. In 1936, Charles' sister Mary had his will probated, assuming him to be long dead. The uh, Parker County courts agreed that the long unsolved mystery was put on the put to rest. A short time after the disappearance of Charles Baker, his brother Harry <coughs> was on a business trip in, trip to Chicago when he was uh, suddenly struck with a, a ruptured appendix and tra uh, tragically died. Well, maybe these guys shouldn't have traveled so much. Maybe that was their deal. The last of the Baker children. God dang, so every one of their kids, like, are gone. The uh, last Baker uh, child, Mary, married and moved to Oklahoma City. Miss Baker remained living in the home in Weatherford until she got too old to take care of herself and moved to Oklahoma City with her daughter to live out the rest of her life, keeping the big home until she died in 1942. Miss Yoff, Miss Barry. Baker Ramsey Miss Barry Miss Barry Baker Ramsey the uh, the remaining child sold the huge home to Mr. and Mrs. George Font in the early 1940s George Font was the son of W.C. Font the president of the First National Bank in Weatherford the same bank that that backed the uh, $5,000 reward for George, took over his father's position at the bank upon his father's death in 1941. He married Mrs. Frances McFall in 1905. They had two children, Marion, who died at the age of seven from the uh, uneruptured, spleen, uneruptured appendix, <laughs> and Knox, who died in 1942 when the U.S. Army plane he was piloting crashed during a training mission near Harlington, Texas. God dang, I don't know if I would want to buy that house and live in it. Fuck that. The marriage of George and Francis unfortunately dissolved sometime in the 1920s. He remarried Mrs. Eleanor 
Benford Newsom. George died in 1962. His uh, Mrs. Alain Font owned the Baker House until the 1970s. When the Fonts moved into the uh, house, nothing was out of the ordinary about a year. For, uh, for about a year. Then their teenage niece, who I will call Helen, was to protect her to to, to protect her identity, came for a visit. Most of the following accounts in the home are recalled from the writing of Helen. She was out of fear oh she she out of fear reductantly never told anyone of these events until she uh Revealed them to me for the uh, purpose of this uh, this story. Okay. In a letter dated in September of 2000, she wrote, My aunt and uncle bought bought and restored the uh, old Baker house in the early 1940s. Yep, that's where you fucked up. You did reconstruction. Now, uh, I I know that sounds crazy, but I also... No, no, what I have seen. The first time was during World War II. Sometime during the summer, I was staying with my aunt and uncle along along with my other aunt. I was about 13 uh, years old when uh, she and I were sleeping in the east room, uh, in the east bedroom downstairs. The uh, bedroom was a door, there was a door this, excuse me, this bedroom has a door leading to the southern side of the, uh, Verna, oh, Vernanda, huh, Vers- to the southern side of the house. Only the screen door was, uh, latched, and I remember all, all was quiet, and then everyone was asleep. I was awakened. By a big hairy Bigfoot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I need to go back. Okay. I was awakened by the sound of someone very quietly and slowly walking down the down a small hallway on the uh, south side of the house that connected an inner bedroom with the uh, bedroom my aunt and I were sleeping in. I closed my eyes, afraid to look up. When I finally got the nerve to open them, I figured I would. Fi- a, when I finally got the nerve to open them, a figure was standing at the foot of the bed. I screamed loudly enough to wake the dead, and the figure immediately disappeared. Naturally, everyone in the house came upon, woke up out of their bedrooms, and uh, was asking, you know, what was going on. Asking me if if I had a nightmare, but I know for certain that it was no nightmare because it was very much. I was very much awake when I and I heard him. That was that wasn't the only time he ever appeared when he when it. That wasn't the only time he ever appeared when anyone else was ever around. The last time I ever screamed. I did not spend the night in that house again for a long while. My parents and I moved out of town and I did not return to the big house until the 1960s. Twenty years later in the 
Meantime, my aunt built a smaller house adjusted to the large house just to the southwest, leaving a gate connecting the two properties for easy access. Against my better judgment, I returned to the house and stayed a while with my aunt. Overnight, I was... Oh, okay. I stayed with my aunt. One night before I was married, I was reading in my bedroom, which was on the second floor. My aunt was still living there at the time and was in her bed downstairs. It was again a warm night, but not warm enough to turn on the window or air conditioning. So many, So my aunt and I... Uh, where was I at now? So my aunt and I turned on the huge exhaust type fan <coughs> in the upstairs window over the stairs. I suddenly heard a loud cry. Not like a natural crying, but more like moaning. I quickly ran from my bedroom and in, in to investigate as I was Afraid my aunt had fallen and was crying out for me, but her her light was out and I could see nothing. I realized that the crying was not coming from her part of the house. It seemed to be uh, coming from the uh, area near the front of the house, close to the dining room. The wailing went on for at least five minutes, and me, being your basic coward, went back to my room, locked the door, and tried to sleep. The next morning a, at breakfast, my aunt said nothing, and, and, I, and I decided I had best keep my mouth shut. If you had known my aunt, you would uh, understand why I make that statement. Well, I hope y'all are uh, still hanging with me. Ah, sorry, I was getting some coffee to wake up. I didn't realize how long my story was going to last. Ah. Man, I got coffee on me. Ah. All right. Mmm. Okay. So after breakfast, my aunt went on to work, and I was getting ready to do the same when her her maid started yelling at me to come down to the dining room. In the downstairs part of the house, between the dining room and hallway, are heavy sliding doors. Lying next to the Lying next to one of these doors was a huge dead bat. We were never able to determine where the bat came from or who got into the house. That's freaking crazy. The front of the house was always kept closed off from, off from the back of the house because we had plenty of room in the back after my uncle had added a huge den. <clears throat> so a huge den so it was uh, easier to cool and heat by closing off from the front the maid however inspected and 
cleaned the uh, front every day and that the bat was not there the day before. Even though I know what I heard that night before was certainly no bat. I still tried to write it off and just, you know, brush it off. But it still scarred me. Most of the strangest happenings of the house was when I was alone. I think that, uh, I think is shot. I think that is why I never mentioned it to anyone. There was a, oh, there was a pocket, there was a pocket of cold, not cool, but extremely cold air in the downstairs hallway close to the living room. No matter how hot of the day when I would walk down the hall, there was about five feet of very frigid air, and I always was very startled by it. Yet, if someone were with me and walked down that hall and the air was always normal, cool or warm, depending on the time of the year. So, when she would walk down it by herself, when she was with somebody, oh, no, it's normal. There's nothing here. Nothing here to see. One day, um, one day, <coughs> okay, one day in the uh, mid-1960s, I was with my aunt shopping at the stores of Weatherford Square downtown. We were in the banquet called Sturgis, a Sturgis Allen, the elderly owner of the store. Mrs. Balzel and I were having a conversation about the old house she told me that sometimes back in the 1920s, her aunt attended a party given by Mrs. Baker at some time during the festival. A loud noise emanated uh, from the large part of the house located on the first floor that had belonged to Charles Baker. The door of the uh, armor was opened in an old stretched collar rolled out and down the hallway and stopped near the large wooden sliding doors. She said that the party goes oh the party goers were more than mystified but the event as it scared some quite a bit I then thought deeply about what she had reported and given me Quite too easily feelings because the caller stopped about the same place the dead bat I found. Crazy, man. Pretty creepy. I think I'll finish the rest of this one. And we will save it for next week, guys. Because I am tired. It's about 40 minutes of talking. And it just sucks when it's just me sometimes. So I hope I don't bore you to death. But you guys remember now, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, iPhone, iPad, amazing, amazing, Amazon.com, iTunes, iShuffle, iBoogie. Um, we're on, don't forget our YouTube channel. I just want to thank everybody. Our downloads are becoming fucking awesome. So give us like 500 guys. So keep downloading, man. Have some spooky times. Go check us out on Facebook. Go check us out on Instagram, baby. But uh, this has been 
your friend, Stephen Le Booth, here with Ghost Stories from the South. And I hope you little kitties have fun tonight. Now, run free before the boogeyman gets you. Check under your bed for everything. And we will see you later. Bye.